shout out to Rich Hosek, host of the wonderful podcast that you heard an episode of here in my feed, Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. I always feel like I'm getting the title of that wrong. It's a horrible way to lead a podcast, but we're going for it. If it's the wrong name, gosh, I'm a moron. Anyway, he says, to my most recent episode, hope the fact that you're putting out rebroadcasts of other podcasts and old episodes of your own means you're hard at work getting the next book out. And then in parentheses, not that I have anything against you rebroadcasting episodes of other people's podcasts. Ahem. And that would be because, like I said, we put an episode of his on my feed, and I hope that a lot of people keep finding his podcast through listening to this podcast because it is a fantastic story podcast. Now, here's the deal. I am in the throes of getting the eight ball magic of Susie Q to my editors and then ultimately to my audiobook reader. And I have a crazy deadline crunch. So this episode is going to be a little less edited than some of the ones that you typically hear. And you've also been hearing me say that quite a bit lately because I am in the throes of writing a book and it's a lot of work, fun work, but all consuming kind of work. For example, I'm talking to you at 12.34 on Saturday, the day before Easter, with no end in sight of the work that needs to be done. It's a great problem to have. You won't hear me complaining. I get to live the life that I love, being a full-time author, and hopefully I can continue to sell more and more books so that that reality never runs out for me. But with that in mind, I did want to talk to you about something that has been on my mind, and I try not to be reactive at all about developments that happen in the world because A, as you see more details come to the front, you can get a larger picture of what's happening behind the scenes and form changed opinions or differing opinions. Um, I've been a huge fan of Twitter. This podcast would not exist in the form that it does without Twitter. Twitter has given me a lot of feedback, feedback on what you want. Uh, as well as I've been able to reach out to a lot of you and build relationships one-on-one -on -one using Twitter. So what Elon Musk did yesterday really scared me. If you've ever watched an author read in public on the felt boards, TRBM is the antidote. TRBM is for writers, for time lapses, for painters, and guitar solos and spotlight work for bands, for chainsaws and ice blocks for, for sculptors. What does the TRBM stand for? Totally rad baby magnet? Trite rolled back memoirs? Or temporal reality balances minds? You decide. What Elon Musk did yesterday really scared me. It made me sad and it frightened me and it was hard not to be reactive and to go out and tweet a whole bunch of stuff that was really anti-Elon and make promises that I'm going to get off Twitter and all of those kind of things. Uh, what he did, if you're not aware of this, is he started blocking all tweets that have links to Substack. And if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know that those are the two tools that I rely on most heavily to reach my audience, to build relationships, Substack and Twitter. To me, they are like a perfect married couple, except right now Twitter is looking like they're asking for a, a separation or a divorce. I don't know how things will shake up because Elon is known for appearing to be very reactive. Uh, he'll take uh, situations 
that bother him and make a, a really rapid decision to do something. And then sometimes he'll backtrack or walk that back. So we may see uh, today, tomorrow, or in the next few days that he decides he's not going to block links to Substack because a lot of his audience and people who are super active on Twitter love the marriage between Twitter and Substack. And I think that he will probably feel some pain at least in the short term, if he walks away from allowing Substack to interact, engage with, co-mingle uh, its audiences. But it also does mean that I have to take a hard look at what's happening on Twitter and, and decide where am I going to put my, my greatest efforts. Uh, I'm not going to list out the numerous people on Twitter who are amazing people that I would not have met without it, um, that... It's scary to think about backing away from Twitter and not being able to use it at the same level. But I will say that by and large, Twitter is the least effective place that I spend my time in terms of actually selling a book. You may listen to my podcast, and I'm not sure why this is. Uh, you may listen to my podcast coming from Twitter, and you come with this uh, sort of perspective of consuming, but maybe not uh, giving back at the same level. I find that my readers are not coming to me off of Twitter. Now, granted, I don't advertise on Twitter, and maybe that would change things, but from everything that I've ever heard or seen, advertising on Twitter is a really fast way to lose money and not make anything back. Uh, and I'm pretty effectively advertising on Facebook at the moment. So I think I'll continue to do that in the interests of uh, doing what works and refining that and selling more books and making more money. But you know where else is a fairly decent place for moving books is Substack because they host my podcast uh, and I'm able to put something kind of like a blog post out with each podcast right on Substack and you can subscribe uh, and you join the hundreds of others who are on the email notifications twice a week when I put out a podcast. Uh, and that level of familiarity helps us to engage more deeply than we might anywhere else. And so I find that I do move more books through Substack, through the podcast, than I do on Twitter. Um, and so with that in mind, I have to think about my own business and how my business now integrates with Twitter if Twitter is hostile toward the place that actually helps me to make a living. Uh, I've been paying the $8 a month for the verified checkmark, and that's the one thing I know is going to change right now until Elon either reconsiders the way that he's doing things uh, or... It's obvious to me that there were unseen benefits from paying for the verified checkmark. I'm not going to be subscribing to Twitter anymore because if he's not going to allow Substack to be integrated there, uh, that's money not well spent for me. And it may seem like a small amount. What's $8? It's really not that much. But it is a vote with my wallet that I'm going to take away from Twitter because I think that what they're doing is wrong. I think that it affects free speech. And I've reached out to a, a, a writer, an author, who I think is one of the foremost voices uh, of free speech and is a really well-regarded Substack author who's been pretty active on Twitter uh, and asked him if he'll do an interview with me on this podcast to talk about the implications of this and what he thinks. Uh, he is very anti-Elon from everything I've seen. I am very pro-Elon. 
up until this point. I've really actually liked the guy, and I don't mind saying that here on the podcast. I am typically quiet because I don't want people to think that I'm political uh, in ways that I'm not. I, I don't know enough to be particularly political, but uh, I like Tesla. I like SpaceX. I like what they stand for. I like how they shook up the industry. I like PayPal. I use PayPal on a regular basis. Uh, Elon was heavily involved in PayPal and uh, its founding. So a lot of the stuff that he's touched has been amazing. And when he bought Twitter, I thought that we were going to see an extreme level of openness. He had talked about uh, showing people how the algorithm worked and letting them see so that they could uh, cater their approach to the algorithm. What I ended up seeing is that there's something happening algorithmically where the number of followers is directly correlated to the just organic reach of a post. So in my case, I have 20 some thousand followers. Uh, when I tweet, it is uh, more weighted than when other friends who have 2000 followers are weighted. However, against someone who has 500,000 followers or a million followers, I am just not getting the kind of exposure, even if I get the same number of comments, retweets and likes that that person with a million followers does. I can't really comment or critique on that, but it does make it kind of difficult to grow an account when the popular get more popular uh, and the people on the bottom have a harder time rising. That seems like a bad model to me. Um, but anyway, so those are some of my thoughts about Twitter, what's going on right now, a big concern I had. And as a writer, I hope to bring to you some of these same thoughts. Uh, so let me close with maybe a call to action, which is a little bit rare for this podcast, but let me ask you to look at your days right now. I'm assuming the most of you are working some kind of full-time job or have a business and writing is something that maybe you hope will be a full-time thing for you at some point, but is currently not your main source of income. Um, so you're already gonna be spending a lot of your time away from writing and writing related activities when it comes to spending time on your writing to get closer to that dream, are your behaviors getting you closer to it? Is spending time on Twitter the best use of your time? Is spending time listening to my podcast the best use of your time? Is going for a walk with your dog the best use of your time? Can you listen to audiobooks? Can you read? What kind of things are you currently doing that you maybe need to step back from? And what kind of things do you need to do more of that you're currently skipping out on? One thing I need to change really quickly is getting back to uh, exercise. I need to go back into the gym and start lifting weights at some level. I've been walking the dog every day. That's helpful. And many of you probably know that I've been taking a prolonged break from alcohol. I do this from time to time. Maybe I will start drinking again, but I've been taking a break uh, and using some different substances to enjoy like maybe a slightly altered state of mind, but from a more healthy perspective. Um, Kava is the primary one. If you've never used Kava or heard of it before, huge, huge fan. I'm not going to promote them because they're not paying me to say this, but Herb Farm, uh, P-H-A-R-M, uh, as in pharmacy, Herb Farm makes a really great Kava extract. The effects are immediate and calming, and I really like it. It's kind of like that 5 p.m. drink that I used to have, or 3 p.m., or 2 p.m. Gosh, on a Sunday, sometimes I'll pop a can at noon. So anyways, I've replaced that with kava. It's been pretty darn nice. And also, uh, there are a lot of opinions on this, but so far it seems to be effective for me as well. Kratom. Um, I'm using somewhere in the neighborhood of seven grams of kratom a day. Uh, and you have to 
be careful from what I've heard. It is an opiate, um, but not exactly the same kind of molecular chain as the opiates that pharmacies sell to people and get them addicted to heroin and fentanyl. So anyways, those are the kind of things that I am doing right now, um, and they've been helpful. I feel more clear-headed than when I was drinking regularly. I like that. I also enjoy writing a book at the breakneck speed that I'm doing right now. Uh, I hope to get you an episode on how I developed the the story as quickly as I did. I uh, um, used the kind of outlining process that I have never tried before and was crazy successful. Getting the story, not getting lost in any kind of rabbit trails or going down the wrong road. And when I was going the wrong way, you could quickly see it and back up. Uh, And I only had to write 20,000 words to get that first draft done. Then the second draft has just really poured out. uh, And I find that I'm able to self-correct in areas where there were plot holes or things were missing. And you can tell that I needed to beef up the story. And it helped me to take my focus off of plot and really focus on character development. So I think overall, The Eight Ball Magic of Susie Q is a better book than The Nine Lives of Marva DeLonghi. You hope that every subsequent book is, but this one feels like magnitudes different than The Nine Lives of Marva DeLonghi. So I'd encourage you, if you consider yourself a pantser, the worst word in the world, uh, somebody who does not plot or anything like that, if you consider yourself just to sit down and see where the story takes you, maybe try that, but back off of the idea that you have to write it in full. Maybe write out the brief and see what happens, and maybe you will actually like where you go. But like I said, I'll do kind of a more full podcast episode on some different writing methods that I have been trying and how they're working for me. And in the meantime, happy Monday, because Easter's already happened uh, as you're hearing this. And hopefully by the time this hits your ears, Twitter has already reversed course and they are happy to be holding hands with Substack again. Then all of this is just a kind of a a reflection, an exercise on reflecting on things that affect our world. Um, So anyways, Lots of love for you, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers, because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?